This is the Unsuitable Podcast, where I interview single Christians about their lives and faith. I'm Mary B. Saferit, a communicator, creator, and coach passionate about filling the gap between what the church offers and what single Christians need. Each episode this season, we're going to be talking about calling and direction and what it's like to pursue a calling as someone who is single. If you like what you hear, make sure to follow, rate, and review so you don't miss new episodes. Today, you're going to hear from Carmen Ross. Carmen's mission is to connect people to resources to help amplify or empower them. She does this through her work in philanthropy and more recently through her photography and artistry. She believes we have all been created by our creator to create. She is a daughter, sister, empathetic friend, and a connector. A native of California, She currently lives and works in Northern California. In this episode, you'll hear Carmen and I talk about how we're all creative, the risk of vulnerability, and using creativity to express ourselves. Let's dig in. Hey, Carmen. Hello, hello. How's it going? I'm feeling good. The sun is shining today and I'm fully embracing it because it hasn't been that way for the last like few months. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. There is a huge snowstorm here today, so <sighs> definitely no sunshine. But mm. I guess that's to be expected when you are in California and I am in the Northeast in the winter. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> a little different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Will you tell the people whereabouts in California you are roughly? I mean, don't give them, you know, your home address or anything, but... <laughs> right, <laughs> no, uh, I'd rather not. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm in Northern California. I'm hailing from Sacramento right now, but what's interesting is when people ask me where I'm from, I claim the entire state because I've literally lived in Southern California, Central Valley, and Northern. So I'm just, I'm from California, period. That's right. That's right. Today, we're going to be talking about calling and direction. So I would love to kind of set the stage a little bit and hear from you. What comes to mind when you hear the word calling or how would you define it? Yeah. So that's a great question. And I'm going to start off by saying, I think calling needs to be differentiated from vocation. Mm. I don't think of calling as a career or vocation per se. And I think it's interesting that sometimes the first thing that we ask others when we meet them and it sort of becomes a focus where it's like, oh, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And I am interested in what you do. And I think we should be interested in that. But I'd also like to know, how do you define yourself as a person in this world? Like, what makes you you? (laughs) And so I would define calling as a strong urge towards a particular way of life. So your job, your work, the outputs, the things that you do, and how you do them, those are reflections of your calling. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's how I would define it. And like in my introductions... I've changed them a bit to where I don't only just talk about like the work that I do, Mm. but also the other ways in which I define myself. I'm a daughter. I'm an empathetic friend. I'm an older sister. I'm a connector. Mm. And my personal mission in life and what I would call my calling is to be a bridge builder to others, to resources, to help amplify what they already do. 
And so the ways in which I do that, there's a lot of different reflections of that, but that's my general calling that I have definitely felt over really my whole life. Hmm. I really like that. I think it's interesting when you're describing the way you introduce yourself, even just thinking about, I don't know, like people's Instagram bios and like how people would identify themselves. And I think calling definitely has a strong like tie to that as well. Cause you're talking about like being called to be a particular kind of person or like to reflect who we are in various ways in our lives. Yeah. I can't put mother of three <laughs> yeah. or different. So it's like, what, what are the, what are the many ways in which we can define ourselves? And I think that that list can be really expansive. Like, let me ask you, right? Like how, how would you define yourself? Usually like my go-to would be like, I'm a writer, like vo- more vocational, but I would say that like, I'm a connector. I like mm-hmm. connecting with people and I like connecting people, even though I'm an introvert, but I really Love do it. like, like deep connections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like really connecting with people. That's good. Other words that come to mind are like faithful friend. Mm. I'm a very faithful friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, I I love that so much just because I feel like even in just those descriptions alone, like I have a better sense of who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you're a connector and you like deep conversations. Mm-hmm. That's something that I can resonate with because mm-hmm. I'm an ambivert, but I also really like deep conversations and that you're a faithful friend. It's like, oh, wow. Like, you, I'm sure, help people in a lot of ways. So that's mm. that's cool to hear. Yeah, I really like that. I like that. So I would love to hear from you, Carmen, a particular instance or example of a time you experienced a calling and what that was like for you. So the example I'm going to give happened right smack dab in the middle of 2020 during this crazy difficult and what everybody keeps saying, unprecedented time Mm -hmm. that we've all been in. But yeah, during like midway in the pandemic, there was a series of things that happened to me. So, and some of these things happened to everybody. So obviously pandemic hit, hello. Mm -hmm. And that really affected me mentally, right? My mental health, high anxiety, Mm -hmm. depression hit, as well as the whole working from home situation and then, yeah, halfway through, I was like, hmm, this, this is not cool. <laughs> like, I'm struggling a bit here. I'm struggling a lot here mm-hmm. in terms of social interaction and just, you know, having to navigate that, being forced to navigate through that and feeling some depression because of that. But then on top of that, my grandmother passed in October of 2020, and she was actually the first closest person in my life that I've had passed. And my processing of her passing was really strange to me. I just went kind of numb Mm -hmm. and I wasn't expecting that. So the way in which I was processing my grandmother's death, I just, I went numb. And then the news of George Floyd hit as well as just hearing about the deaths and the killings of numbers of people of color. And and the thing about it is like, 
that wasn't necessarily new per se in terms of being aware, but it was a worldwide reckoning, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if Mm -hmm. you're on social media, it's in your face. Like you can't miss it. Like it's everywhere. And so my processing of a lot of these things happening at the same time, when I am in an unhealthy state, I, I go MIA. I go real quiet. You're not hearing from me. And that was a state of depression for me. And so what was interesting out of this period of time, though, was that I, I did really feel God calling me to come out of that. Like, you know, it was like, okay, Carmen, you're feeling all these emotions. You're going through it. But how do you get out of this? Because you can't stay here. And mm-hmm. so... That's where I really did feel a calling to express my emotions, to express the multitude of feelings that I was feeling in some way, shape, or form. And that is actually when I go into my healthy state. When I am taking what's inside and somehow putting it out into the world, and it doesn't have to be public per se, but just Either I'm writing it down on paper or I am drawing it or I'm painting it or I'm talking to a trusted friend. Like that's that's what pulls me out of it. And so what ended up happening is I decided to express how I was feeling through art. And so a series of paintings came out of that period of pain and it was so freeing. It was healing for me. And what I was surprised by was that it ended up being healing for a lot of other people. I decided to share my art on social media and people really embraced it. And it meant different things to different people, but the art showcased different things I was going through. One of the pieces is called equanimity, which means mental calmness. And the way in which I digitally painted that one I wanted you to look at it and feel a sense of peace and calmness, right? Mm-hmm. Another one is called Rising Sun, and it's based off of the lyrics of the Black National Anthem. And it really was meant to be a piece that invoked a sense of pride over the resiliency of Black people. And these paintings came out of a period of pain, but it was encouraging to see that it ended up like I said, also being healing for other people, but encouraging people to express themselves in different ways, right? So yeah, that was definitely a time where I experienced a strong calling and that calling pulled me out of some depression. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm so sorry for your loss, by the way. I know it's been a bit of time, but I'm sure that grief is a thing that comes in waves. So I'm sure you're still feeling some of that residual effects. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I just think it's really interesting how God kind of gives us these tools and gifts and calls us to particular things that are going to like facilitate that healing and that growth. That's how writing was for me as well. It really started as a way for me to get all of this stuff that was going on in my head and my heart and my spirit and try to get it out of my head and onto the paper so I could make some kind of sense Mm -hmm. of it, or at least just be very honest about it. And it helps me be honest with myself. And I don't know if you found this to be true, but sort of getting it out of me and into the world made it a little bit, 
I don't know, it was very cathartic. And so in some yes. cases, it made the thing a little bit less scary. In some cases, it was like really hard to do. Like it was a really emotional thing mm-hmm. to do because then it's like real, I guess, in a way that in your head, it's just kind of an idea of yes. a thing. So I found it to be like very healing, but not always very easy. Like the catharsis process sometimes is very like peaceful and great, but sometimes I find it to be quite painful as well. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that statement. And I think it's one of those things that I have found to be necessary, but to your point, not always easy. And it's like going through the process might be painful. Sometimes it might feel like pulling a bandage off (laughs) or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah, the end result being, yeah, it's, it's, it's real, but hopefully it would have led to, like you said, a catharsis healing being able to move through the emotions and onto the other side. Mm. You mentioned like just talking to trusted friends, but were there trusted friends that you were sharing your work with at all? Or would you say that was like a pretty private thing for you? I was actually, I shared it with a couple of my closest friends and that's not always the case though. Mm -hmm. In this case, I shared a couple of the pieces with them and others I kept private. It was not, I didn't want anybody to to see it while I was creating it. Mm-hmm. Was that like a, I don't know, kind of just an intuitive thing for you? Or I don't know, I think like sometimes when I share, when I like come up with something that's really raw or whatever, there's like kind of that question in me of like, do I want to share this with someone or do I not want to share this with mm-hmm. someone? Do I want to share this with someone because out of like a not super healthy place or do I not want to share this out of like fear or whatever? So did you have like a kind of way of sussing that out? That's a really good question. I think generally I tend to be more on the side of of sharing. Sometimes it's really, really raw. And mm-hmm. the gauge for me has been is this something that I feel like could help other people that it might be encouraging or inspirational to them in some way? And is it going to cause me further pain to share this (laughs) versus not? And so just weighing that out and thinking and praying about that before I share is really important to me. And that's kind of what I try to focus on. Yeah, I really resonate with that. Sharing more is uh, not so much as a like revelatory mm-hmm. thing, but as a connection point, maybe. That's good. I really like that. I like how you phrased that, a connection point. And that resonates with me because I'm all about connecting, as you said you are too. So <laughs> it's a further connection point to people. Yeah. So when you were thinking about like sharing publicly, was that a hard decision for you? Did that feel like kind of vulnerable or were you like, no, this is just a natural part of my calling? The first thing that comes to mind with that question is it's not easy because it's vulnerable. And I keep going back to this, but I feel like healing comes from being vulnerable. Hmm. Like the most healing moments for me have come from being vulnerable straight up. And so you take a risk though, right? Like if you put something out in the world, you take a risk of people like loving it or people hating it or what have you. 
But that's where I have to go back also to this ain't for other people per se. Like it is and it isn't. If I feel like God is calling me to put something out there, to, even if it helps one person, it's not going to be for everybody. But if I'm able to speak to one person through my art or through whatever other creative means, then I got to do it. And so that speaks to two things that are like leadership philosophies for me. One is getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. When Mm -hmm. I have taken a leap of faith, when I have gotten outside of my comfort zone and done something that I felt God calling me to do, it wasn't necessarily for everybody. Like I've always seen the benefits of that. And I've seen the rewards of of doing that. So yeah, I think it's it's definitely something to to pray through before you put it out there. But also just know that like if you have felt a prompting to put something out there and you think it will help somebody, you really gotta focus on that versus any critiques or critics because another thing that I'll say is that I believe that we've all been created by our creator to create. Whether it be the words that you write or the food that you cook or the ways in which you help people or art that you do. I hear from a lot of people like, oh, I'm not creative. Like, I don't, I'm not an artist. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Now what you just did there with them cupcakes, that was creative, okay? Because I don't (laughs) cook like that and I couldn't do that. So let me tell you right now, you just blessed me (laughs) with your creativity with food. So I think that it doesn't have to be like this thing that is widely recognized on social media or whatever. I think there's a lot of different ways in which we can share our gifts and our creativity and be blessing others. Yeah. Yeah. And to go back to what your definition of calling, it doesn't have to be a vocational thing. Like you said, it could be making cupcakes and giving them to someone. I was in a book club and we were reading Art and Faith by Makoto Fujimura. Mm. He's a painter. He's an artist. He's incredible. And this book is incredible. I'm completely obsessed with it Mm. right now. A lot of what he talks about is how like creation is this like generative thing that we get to like share with others. And it's like an expression of how God made us and the fact that we are, as you said, created beings, even if they're not like, you know, making paintings or like writing professionally or whatever, you know, people are creative. And, you know, one of the people in the group, she made these absolutely incredible like cardamom buns at some point in the pandemic and like gave them to all of us. And I was like, these are the best things that I've had in my Mm. life. This is like, this is a creative thing. It's like, generous because you're giving people this thing and it's generative because you made it and like had to work with the dough and all of that stuff and i think that the the definition of creativity or how we think about creativity and calling and and living out of that part of ourselves right that reflection of god as created Mm -hmm, beings mm -hmm. i think that it's it manifests in a multitude of ways they're not necessarily vocational and like those are just like they're not even just as valuable. Like I think that in some ways they can be even more valuable. Like someone who's able to bring a nourishing meal to someone who is grieving, exactly. you know, like that's a huge gift. Absolutely. They're reflections of our calling, period. Like to your point, I don't regard the work that I do on a nine to five, which I haven't even talked about, right? Like I'm in philanthropy. Right. I do grant making. That is a large part of my life and what I do but I don't regard that as more important than my art because I see them 
all as reflections of my calling to help people. So I 100% agree. Earlier in our conversation, you articulated like your mission statement, which I would love for you to repeat or summarize if Mm -hmm. you could. And then I would love to hear how you've kind of seen that lived out through this art project that you put out into the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I have been called to serve as a bridge builder to other people, to resources that amplify them what they already do. And the way in which I see that manifesting, I see it in my nine to five in philanthropy with connecting folks to funding. And this is for nonprofit organizations and the funding. I mean, they're already doing work on the ground, right? This is funding to just help amplify what they're doing and their their resources. So I'm a connector. I'm a bridge builder in that sense. And then with my artwork, I would say it, it kind of manifests itself in a different way. But my bridge building is through helping people through some of the natural gifts or talents that God has given me. And I see it twofold. One is to, with my painting and things like that, it's something that people can enjoy, people can have in their homes or what have you. But also through my storytelling and each piece has a story with it, I want it to inspire them to embrace their creativity and to tap into whatever that looks like for them. So it's not just the art, but it's me telling my story along with the art that I've seen help people in inspiring them in whatever, you know, creative way that makes sense to them. And then lastly, in my photography, I love being able to help amplify people, whether they need branding or you know, headshots to make their LinkedIn profile look better or for weddings or for events. Like I take my craft very seriously. And so when I present my work to a client, I really appreciate when they see this as, hey, like this is helping me with my business. This is helping me with, you know, showcasing what I do. And so that's, that's the different ways I would see it in my current vocations or, you know, what I do for income. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that about the different ways you've kind of seen your mission statement manifest in these different areas of your life and your work. You know, as we're talking about maybe following the thread of your art project in particular or any of them, I would just love to hear from you, like what it's been like to kind of live out your calling specifically as a person who is single. My community has been key for me. And so what I would say with that is, actually, I'll say this. So if you have heard of the author Henry Nowen, I really like Mm -hmm. his book where he talks about living a spiritual life. And he talks about the secret to living a healthy spiritual life. And he basically identifies like three essential disciplines, solitude, community, and then ministry. And that really stuck with me just Mm -hmm. because his emphasis of the importance of all three of those, like having like solitude time where you're like listening to God through prayer and like just hearing God's messages of love for you as God's son, as God's daughter, but then in community, learning to be vulnerable. And as I said before, 
for me, vulnerability really leading to healing. And then that really strengthening you and setting you up well for ministry and for the work that you do, right? And the ways in which you have been called by God to minister in the world. And so the community part really stuck with me because for a while, I just felt like I was operating as a lone wolf. I was really lonely and like craving community. It took intentionality to build Mm -hmm. authentic community and a lot of vulnerability, (laughs) which was uncomfortable. But what that has led to is lifelong friendships that I wouldn't trade for anything. And what it's looked like is even just leaning into the friendships more to where I think I've kind of had this view of, you know, if you've got friends and then you've got family, but having friends become family to where they're folks that you can call on or count on in whatever situation. I think everybody, everybody should have that. And if you don't have it, work on cultivating it. Yeah. So I would love to hear more about how you went about building that community. I know you said it took intentionality and time and vulnerability, but just like give us a little bit of a sense of, yeah, what that was like. Yeah. So this was pre-pandemic. I had moved to Sacramento from Lodi and I was really struggling and craving for a community. And I jumped into a young professionals group. I actually jumped in three. And I was going to all three of them at the same time. And folks were like, okay, Carmen, like you're doing a lot here. And I was like, yes, I am. Because I am on a mission <laughs> to find to find authentic <laughs> community. And the first group wasn't really it for me. We weren't matching up quite right. And the second group had made some connections. But I ended up doing a missions trip to Mexico. And I connected with somebody there. We actually connected while both being sick and throwing up because we had gotten like food poisoning or something. And we were like laying down next to each other. And she was like, Hey, I've got a Bible study. You should come and join. And I was like, I'd love to. (laughs) So listen, that's where the bonds are forged when you're both like have absolutely no pretense. Like you're just like miserable and sick and you have like all of the like nice shiny bits Mm -hmm. of you are gone because you're so sick. That's the life hack, (laughs) y'all. Anyways, no. So we connected. And when we got back from Mexico, I joined her Bible study group. And actually from that Bible study group, a faction of us segmented off and were like, we want to go deeper. We want to go deeper. We want to talk for longer. We want to not just have an hour long Bible study, but just get to know each other. And so that was where the intentionality came from, where it was like a group of four or six of us. And we did a bunch of things to get to know each other. We did the Myers-Briggs, we did the Enneagram. We were just like, okay, there's a day dedicated to each of us. And like, we just got to sit here and listen to you and who you are and get to know you. It was very interesting that we were all like, so committed to like getting to know each other. And from there, there was a lot of learning that took place. And growing in our relationship with each other and the Lord. And I look back on that time and it's just very special to me because those people are still my best friends. And if I would have been operating as usual, I wouldn't have made these connections that feel like family now. Yeah. It does take like taking that little 
step of initiative. I don't know who it was who like initiated this thing of like, we want to go deeper or if it was just kind of like a, I don't know, thing that was in the water. But like somebody has to be like the person to be like, hey, I want more. And someone has to like kind of put themselves out there because people could be like, I don't yes. want more. Um, so, you know, there's that like that risk, that vulnerability that we were talking about where, you know, if you take the initiative and you put yourself out there, then there's the very real possibility that like rejection is waiting for you on the other side of that. And that's mm-hmm. a scary thing. No, Mary B, you are absolutely correct. Like it was two people and I can't remember who exactly the people from our group was at first, but like that was the risk taking. That was the initiative and the rewards far outweighed the risk though. And that's kind of what I get at with like getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. And every time I've taken, like I wrote down a list, I wrote down a list of all the times that I intentionally put myself out there and and took risk. And absolutely Mm -hmm. I have reaped the rewards of the times that I've, I've done that. And when it Mm -hmm. hasn't worked out, like it's been okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like something that can be very hard to remember when putting yourself out there because there's, for me at least, a lot of, like my brain just tells me all sorts of stories. Like nobody wants that or you're going to be annoying them or like even like learning to deal with that. There can be a tendency for me at least, like my brain will bring up all of the other times that I've been rejected and like this is how things always go for you and this is why we shouldn't put ourselves out there and this is why like you should have known better, you should have known that they like didn't have time for blah, 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 all of this stuff <laughs> that <laughs> I oh, suppose absolutely. it's like a protection thing, right? It's like me trying to like protect mm-hmm. my tender little heart. No, I was shaking so, my head vehemently yeah. as you were saying that because I definitely resonate with that that fear of rejection for sure what's interesting is that we do keep a log of all the times that like we've we've been rejected and it's it's hurt and the reason why i wrote that list of the times that i took a risk and it didn't hurt or like there was like a positive thing that came out of it was because i don't think of those things like it was, it was a task and it was an activity mm. for me to actually lean into, to be like, well, now wait a minute, <laughs> like write down and like, remember, cause I don't have the best memory when like yeah. it's gone well. And like, how long is that mm. list? Right. Versus the times that it hasn't. And so that was a helpful thing for me to do mm. physically, because in my head, I don't do that in my head. The negative experiences outweigh yeah. the positive. Mm. Yeah, we're running a little short on time, but I would love to hear your tips for people who are trying to build community in this pandemical world that we're living in. So I've got a few tips and I will say that depending on your area or where you're at or whatever, like these are not tried and true for everybody, but I'll say a couple of things. One is that I know of a lot of people who have been able to build community virtually through groups, through Twitter, actually. (laughs) And those internet or online connections have led to being able to meet up in real life. And then I'll also just say that where you can meet up in person safely, the Meetup app is one way that you can find groups. 
your age. And I've been able to connect with a Spanish speaking meetup group and they either meet virtually or in person. It depends. There is a travel meetup group. And so I'll say that. And then lastly, I'll say at least at my church, I've leaned into serving with our young professionals ministry. And we've moved to this model where we essentially have our own meetup system. And so folks can, you know, set up meetups and post it on the website and have it public and, you know, people can sign up and be a part of their meetup, whether it be a photography meetup or a hiking meetup, whatever fits your fancy. And I think those things are really important. And hopefully that sparks some ideas for what might work for you. I think we really have to think outside of the box and be creative with how we make that work for ourselves. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Carmen, I have two last baby (laughs) questions for you. The first is how can we support you? Where can we follow you on the internet? All of that. Yeah. So you can support me by helping me support others (laughs) through my (laughs) art or my photography. That'll be featured on my website. It's CarmenRoss.com. And I'm so glad I was able to get that domain because it's real simple. It's just my name. And I'll be having a lot of different things coming out on my website. And my Instagram right now is Carmen X Charm. And so the things that I post on my website, I'll post that and more on my Instagram. Awesome. Love it. Last but not least, will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great? I'll say that I've been a bit of a people pleaser in how I have operated sometimes. It comes more natural to me than it doesn't. I'll say that. And so Hmm. I've had to kind of reckon with and realize that that's a part of how I'm wired. And I've got to figure that out versus like going to shame or getting upset with myself when I'm realizing that Hmm. I'm people pleasing. And so authenticity is very important to me. And one of the things that I hold as a core value. So what I'm working through is just holding true to that in moments where it's uncomfortable and in moments where I want to say the right thing or do the right thing according to what other people or what I think other people think is the right thing to do or say. And that's the hard thing. But the great thing (laughs) is that there's been a lot of moments that have been helping me build that muscle to just Mm. speak my truth and stand in that firmly. And yeah, let my voice be heard despite the uncomfortability. So that's what I'll share is something Mm. that I've been navigating through. And I share that just in case, you know, it's helpful to somebody else who may deal with people pleasing. I don't know if we talk about it all the time. I've had shame around it and even naming it because I'm just like, oh gosh, like people pleasing. That's like, you know, especially in our society, Mm -hmm. it's like, no, like confident and strong and, you know, do what you want to do and say what you want to say. And it's like, well, no, like (laughs) there's very human emotions and things that come up with sharing your truth or whatever. So yeah, it's not something that is necessarily going to just magically go away, 
but it is something that I Mm -hmm. have been able to hold with, with care and make sure that I am just asking myself the questions of, you know, Carmen, what does God want you to say? You know, what's on your heart with this? Yeah. Amazing. Thanks for sharing that. People pleasers (laughs) unite solidarity. Also recovering people pleaser. (laughs) So just to meet you in your vulnerability there. Carmen, thank you so much for being here today and for all of the lovely things that you shared. Thank you for having me. This was a really great opportunity. And yeah, I love the experience. You can follow Carmen on Instagram at CarmenXCharm or on her website, CarmenRoss.com. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please take a minute to rate and review. To stay up to date on all things unsuitable, follow me on Instagram at MaryB.SafeRit or subscribe to my weekly newsletter at MaryBSafeRit.com. This podcast is produced by Ashley Hong, sound engineering by Bijoy Ahmed, and the theme music is by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. Catch you on the flippity flop.